millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello one and all and welcome to Behind the Glass, the podcast which aims to take you behind the scenes of the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass as well as the automotive and social media worlds. I'm your host Sam from that YouTube channel Seen Through Glass and welcome to the sort of first bonus midweek episode Those of you that are regular viewers or listeners of this podcast will know that every week I'm joined by Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales and sometimes an additional guest. And we just discuss all things going on in the automotive, motorsport, social media worlds. None of that is changing. However, I have been planning for a while to be doing sort of additional shorter midweek episodes where I get to talk to you guys more directly about, you know, just sort of things that I'm doing behind the scenes, whether that is uh, invitations to dealerships or collections or test drives that don't really make it into main channel seen through glass videos. Also, it's an excuse for me to nerd out fully on Formula One, because unfortunately, Tony, whilst he's a fan, uh, he's not really into F1. He watched it for the spectacle, I think. Uh, and I just, I don't have the ability to just really delve in deep with him. Uh, I'm hoping to do some sort of, you know, main episode f1 episodes is that right main anyway i'm hoping to do some bigger f1 episodes throughout the year where we will bring in guests and tony will be a part of it as well but as the 2020 season is right around the corner um i thought i'd do a sort of sit down and a bit of a season preview and i did ask a lot of you whether you wanted to hear this or see this and and you said yes so (laughs) if you regret it you've only got yourselves to blame uh but anyway so as i say here we go welcome to this sort of shorter bonus midweek episode where i'm going to be previewing the 2020 F1 season, which theoretically is kicking off next weekend in Australia. I say theoretically because hashtag coronavirus. Um, It looks like the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne will be going ahead. But as the world slowly implodes, there are still some question marks, I think. Uh, Mainly probably around Ferrari and Alpha Tauri, who obviously have factories and, and things set up in Italy. And Italy seems to be one of the worst affected countries for this coronavirus stuff. And so the concern being that Australia and Bahrain and other places might say, sorry, you can't come into our country if you're from Italy making it quite difficult for Ferrari to take part in the opening race of the season. But let's let's pretend 
that it's all going ahead. Um, no matter what, we do have uh, all of preseason testing to look back on, to reflect on, uh, not just sort of, you know, make wild predictions about. Um, so I think, you know what? I'm just going to reflect quickly on last year, 2019. If, you, if you're if you new to F1 or you're thinking about watching F1 this year, a uh, big word of advice, go and watch Drive to Survive on Netflix. If you haven't got Netflix, borrow someone's login. Um, it's a great way to recap on last year. And the way they do it in such a sort of Hollywood dramatic way is quite concise. So you'll get all the stories that you need to get. But I think... I think last year was a good year. I, I think it was, I, I did say, a, sto- a season of three parts. <laughs> um, arguably, Mercedes shouldn't have walked away with it as easily as they theoretically did. At least Lewis Hamilton shouldn't have walked away with it as theoretically easy as he did. Um, because I would say that Mercedes, by the end of the year, probably had the third fastest car. Or maybe you would say that Ferrari kicked off the season with the fastest car, but just through strategy blunders, unreliability and... And I don't really know what else. It just fell apart for them. They never managed to convert um, their sort of their early season potential. Red Bull came on super strong, I think, mid-season and especially towards the end of the year. Um, I really want to talk about Alex Albon on this little preview because I think he is just, ah, uh, what a result for that team being able to swap out Gasly for Albon. So yeah, I think Red Bull finished the year in a good way. And Mercedes, they kind of just picked up the pieces as the other teams fell apart. Don't get me wrong. They did a great job, as always, Mercedes do, apart from uh, Hockenheim. Um, But yeah, I just think Lewis lucked into some results here and there. And anyway, they walked away with it. So yes, Lewis Hamilton now attempting to equal Michael Schumacher's seven Drivers' World Championships. Quite outrageous. Um... I'll be honest, it's getting a bit boring. I'm a big Lewis Hamilton fan, but I'm ready to see somebody else win or at least challenge him. <laughs> I'm so fed up with these like half-assed challenges from Vettel or, well, yeah, realistically, it's only been Vettel in the recent years, hasn't it? Um, I, I never thought I'd say it. Bring back Rosberg. I, I miss you, Nico. <laughs> um, uh, as much as I, you know, loathed you on track. Very nice guy in real life, by the way. But uh, uh, being, a, you know, a sports fan... Uh, you always, you know, cheer one guy and boo the other, don't you? And Rosberg, unfortunately, was the person that I was booing. But what exciting racing we used to see when him and Hamilton were up against each other. So yeah, I kind of kind of wish that were to come back. But anyway, enough harking back about last year. Um, why am I excited about this year? Well, this is kind of the end of stage one of the V6 hybrid era. Uh, the rules that came in back in 2014 um, have sort of come to a culmination at this point, where theoretically it should be a relatively, well, I was going to say level playing field, but Mercedes in testing seem to suggest that won't be the case. But the thought being that everyone's caught up now with those huge advancements or those, that sort of, you know, that that big advantage Mercedes had back in 2014 when they, they just dominated everyone were a second, two seconds quicker a lap. Um, you know, there's no reason why everyone else hasn't had the time to catch up. And, and if you look at last year, that was kind of the theory, even though there was still Formula A and Formula B being Mercedes, Red Bull and Ferrari versus the rest. Um, yes, that was the idea. But but based on preseason testing, suggests that maybe um, the top three teams are still going to be quite far ahead of the midfield. And, and maybe even there's going to be a sort of three categories, the top three, a mid three, and then a lower three or four. Uh, so yes, I think the, the easiest way to do this, the most concise way to do this, is to run through the teams, the drivers, uh, and kind of how they got on in testing, I suppose. Uh, and we're going to go from the back to the front, as most people do, uh, leave the big hitters for last. So we've got to kick things off with Williams. Now, being a Brit, uh, I'm someone that always wants Williams to do well. 
the history of the team, the heritage of the team. When I sort of was really first starting to get into F1 back in 96, 97, you know, they were relatively dominant. You know, it was the Damon Hill, Jacques Villeneuve years. I was a Schumacher fan, but still uh, Williams in my mind were, were the best. Uh, had some dodgy years in 98, 99, but then the BMW years with Schumacher and Montoya, you know, Williams for me, a team that should be on top. And so it's been sad to see their slow decline over the last 10 years or so. Um, how are things looking for this year? Probably not great, but arguably a little bit better than last year. I quite like the new livery. Everyone's calling it the Colgate livery. Um, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. I think it's an improvement on last year, which I thought was a bit of a disaster. Uh, George Russell tipped to be a sort of real great talent and potentially a Valtteri Bottas replacement. We'll come on to that soon. Uh, obviously had a quiet year last year. How could he not? Because, you know, he was driving around at the back, uh, only racing Robert Kubica, who unfortunately, as we all know, wasn't probably destined to make the return that he did. So, yeah, Russell... I like the guy. Um, it's just hard to say because we haven't seen him in a dogfight or sort of proving his talent like we have Lando Norris, Alex Albon, etc. And you have to remember, he beat all those guys when he was racing against them in GP2. So uh, still still some, some stuff to see from Russell, I reckon. He's been joined by Nicholas Latifi. Now, this guy's been knocking on the door of F1 for years. Uh, Canadian guy. Uh, got a little bit of money, I'll be honest. But, you know, hey-ho, uh, let's, let's see if he can... Uh, live up to the money. Does that make sense? Anyway, um, yeah, he's been testing for Force India, for Renault, for all these people. I mean, for for years, like five years, he's kind of always been knocking around the fringes, but he now is in uh, at that, that Williams second seat. It's going to be a tough year for him, let's face it. Um, and two rookies in there. I think they might score a point or two, maybe, um, but otherwise we're going to leave it at that. They they had a, a troublesome testing. I mean, they were they were at least running. Let's not forget last year, they hardly got the car out the garage. Um, but there was some Mercedes engine reliability issues in the Williams. But otherwise, you know, let's all keep our fingers crossed, I think. Let's all keep our fingers crossed. And 2021, I guess, gives them the opportunity to to start afresh. Um, next up the roster, Haas. Now, again, just a plug drive to survive. I promise you I don't get sort of Netflix referral points, but um, <laughs> the Haas episodes of Drive to Survive are just fascinating. They're so, so good. It takes a lot of the glamour and the shine away from F1 and just shows you that these are insanely competitive people and just quite brutal to each other. And yeah, it doesn't make Formula 1 drivers look special. makes them look like idiots. Um, anyway, Grosjean. <sighs> what do we think about Grosjean? Is this his last year? I mean, they kind of we said that about Grosjean last year, didn't we? Um, in 2019. I think halfway through the season, people thought that maybe he was going to get the boot, but he's still there. He must be good inside the team. I think his the way that he talks to mechanics and his team morale boosting must be pretty good because his on-track results aren't. <laughs> Let's face it. Roman, Roman Crash Grosjean. Um, yeah, I just don't have much to say about him, if I'm honest. Kevin Magnussen, kind of the same. Uh, does pull out a good result here and there, but typically I think we all think he's a bit too aggro. And here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer flexible budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals get more cool facts about united healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And uh, kind of think he's had his moment, that whole McLaren era. Is he going to recover from that? Is he ever going to go back to a top team? I don't really see it. But yeah, Haas, I think for the sport, let's hope they do well, because otherwise I think Gene Haas will just pull the plug. If midway through the year, Haas are still dwindling around at the back, fighting Williams, I, I don't think they'll be on the grid in 2021, which would be a big shame. So let's keep all of our fingers crossed. Um, Alfa Romeo, now they had a very strange testing where basically they were kind of just there. Also ran, also ran Alfa Romeo. Um, same lineup of Kimi Raikkonen and, and Giovinazzi. And I would say that that was sort of also sums up their 2019 it was, they're just very low key at the minute, aren't they? As a sort of rebranded team, obviously Alfa Romeo Sauber. Um, I think they are now just Alfa Romeo. It's just not not a, not a lot of noise, not a lot of going on. They're just kind of there and thereabouts. They score some points every now and again. That not a lot of excitement. So let's see what happens to them. I think they're just going to be solid midfield. If I worry that they're going to be regular regular out in Q1 people, I think it's going to be Williams and Alfa Romeo regularly out in Q1. Um, but Kimmy's still there. I mean, God, that man is old, <laughs> but he's rocking it. He's just absolutely still, uh, still remaining competitive and still churning away and seemingly enjoying his life at Alpha, the less pressurized life at Alpha. But yeah, very low key testing, very low key livery. Obviously got Robert Kubica on board as well as a, in a test driver capacity, brought a big sponsor with him. So yeah, I mean, unfortunately, not a lot to say. I do have quite a lot to say about Racing Point, or as we all like to say, Force India. <laughs> I think people still struggle with the whole Racing Point thing. But yes, Force India now rebranded Racing Point. Got quite a nice livery. The the BWT Pink Panther livery uh, has now taken a sort of dominant role. Uh, they lost a couple of other um, sponsors, I think. So it's now very, very BWT. It's also very, very Mercedes. <laughs> um, think about uh, Haas, when Haas first uh, joined F1 their sort of whole idea was to basically buy a load of off-the-shelf parts and put together a relatively competitive car off the back of that. Um, And that's kind of what Racing Point had done, but to another level. They've basically gone, that Mercedes 2019 car was good. Let's copy it. I mean, it it is near as damn it a carbon copy of the Mercedes 2019 car, which is kind of genius. Also a little bit like, oh, Really? Um, but they're looking competitive. I mean, they're, they're genuinely looking quick, like they've taken quite a few steps up that midfield ladder. They've still got Perez and obviously Stroll. Stroll wasn't going anywhere, was he? Um, considering his dad owns the team. Uh, and the very exciting news in the off-season that they're going to be rebranded as Aston Martin in 2021. I think that is great. I think that is amazing for the sport. 
big manufacturer coming back to F1 in a time when I think a lot of other manufacturers are turning to Formula E. So that's great. That's exciting. How are they going to do this year? I think well. I think at least the first half of the year, I think they're going to do very well. Might even be able to sneak a podium from Perez early on. Um, back or something like that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reckon. But yeah, the car looks good. The car looks quick. Um, and I think it was a, a sort of bold decision, but a good one. So yeah, keep your eyes on Racing Point. I think they're going to be right up there with Renault and McLaren for the sort of top dog in the midfield battle, um, at least early on. Uh, then we move on to Alpha Tauri. Uh, obviously, I went to the launch of Alpha Tauri. Uh, if you haven't seen that video, it's over on the main channel, Seen Through Glass. I got to interview Danny Kavir and Pierre Gasly, which was a fun experience, um, and see the car revealed for the first time. Because, yes, Toro Rosso have been rebranded Alpha Tauri, which is a kind of new Red Bull clothing line. All a bit weird, the messaging behind that. Let's just kind of skip past it. But this is Red Bull's attempt to promote their new clothing range called Alpha Tauri. Um, I don't like the name. Too many alphas now in F1. Uh, but the car looks good. And let's face it, Toro Rosso, because um, that's what I'm going to call them, uh, have been one of the best midfield teams over the last 10 years. Just solid. And I think Kavir and Gasly, arguably one of their strongest lineups since, who was it, Buemi and Algaswari? Or, or Buemi and Verne? I think it was Buemi and Verne. Anyway, I really like Kavir and Gasly as a, as a team I think they've got their confidence back I think they're happy in Toro Rosso with no other big expectations Honda obviously we now know super strong in the engine department so yeah I'm expecting another good year from Alpha Tauri I don't think they'll live up to last year let's not forget two podiums last year the best season ever for that team um, 2008 uh, they had the Vettel victory but they then had a third with Kvyat at Hockenheim and a second with Gasly at Brazil um, so actually probably wasn't their best ever season, but most, most podiums, let's put it at that. Um, and then Renault now, here we go. Renault, um, Danny Rick and Esteban Ocon making his return from a year out of F1. Ocon, I think it's always tricky when these current F1 drivers have to, to take a year out. Uh, I think people sort of thought he was great and, and a new hot talent. I don't think he ever really like dominated Perez. I hold Perez in quite a high ranking, but when he was at Force India, I don't think Ocon did enough for me to go like, wow, this guy's amazing. But I think he's definitely got talent. Is he going to be able to keep up with Ricardo? I'm not so sure. I think Ricardo, towards the end of the year, looked like he was settling into that Renault team. Looked like he finally figured out the brakes, which I think was, you know, very important for Danny Rick. Um, and yeah, there was some confidence coming through, some some solid results. And I think he's going to be a little bit happier while Ocon obviously coming to the team for the first time, um, having been with Mercedes last year, forcing you before. He did actually do some testing with Renault back in the day, didn't he? But anyway, um, he's still new to the setup. So I think it's going to take him a few races to get up to speed. I would expect Danny Rick will finish the season with more points, but there might be some upset results. Um, the car's looking good. Visually looks good. Um, they had solid testing. Nothing big to shout about, but it looks like they're up there kind of probably them and McLaren for the top of the midfield spot. Still intrigued to see what the final livery is going to be because they sort of did a weird car launch where it was kind of like spy shots. The actual physical car wasn't there. Then they did the the actual testing in a testing livery. And anyway, it's all a bit strange, but the car looks cool. And yeah, quietly intrigued and excited for that because I love Danny Rick, that's all. Um, but I mentioned it on one of the main episodes of the podcast recently I think he's got to make his mind up pretty quickly as to whether he's going to commit to that team. Uh, and I'm sure he's worked out, you know, the first six to 10 races of the year will help him make his mind up. 
but I don't think he can afford to go into 2021 in an uncompetitive Renault because I think I think his moment will have passed. But I think this year, if he went knocking on the door of McLaren, of Ferrari, of Mercedes, um, maybe not Red Bull, I think they would still kind of be tempted to sign him up. So yeah, hopeful for Renault. Will they get a podium? Mm, not so sure, but maybe if there's a quirky race, and I'm not guaranteed it'll be Danny Rick. I think Ocon, you know, could steal a podium. Again, it would be luck rather than performance, I think. But, but yeah, Carl looks good. Now, McLaren... I think had a very intriguing preseason, very quiet, quietly confident, no big headlines, no big statements. They just got on with the job. Carlos Sainz, what a little hero. Um, he really smashed last year. If you look at 2019, his rate of progression, uh, his results, just so, so solid. And, and again, another plug for Drive to Survive. Uh, his mentality, I think, is really switched on. This guy is working hard. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a cough. Maybe I've got corona. Um, yeah, this guy is working super hard, and I think the team are going in the right direction. And the fact that they didn't make a lot of noise but but pulled in some solid sort of times and lap counts makes me quietly confident for McLaren this year. Ended the year pretty strong, had that sort of lucky podium in Brazil. Lando, I think, will be even more confident going into year two. Let's not forget he did out-qualify Carlos last year. Um, just the race results didn't quite work out the same way. So, yeah, I want to see McLaren back at the front. Um, we've got a big change to Mercedes engines in 2021, so they're going to have to kind of deal with that, but no reason why that should be a problem. So, yeah, keep your eyes out. I think McLaren and Renault, dogged fight for top of the midfield, um, probably with Racing Point at the start of the year. And I think they will be knocking on the door of the podium and at some tracks or some races when you know, the top three teams don't have a good weekend. I think McLaren and Renault are going to be there to pick up the spoils. Red Bull. So yeah, let's get into that top three. Um, Red Bull, I would say, had had one of the strongest pre-seasons um, that they've had for a while. You know, there was that sort of time when they always came to the season a little bit late, a little unprepared. You always felt that they sort of got going halfway through the year. And I would argue that for 2019 as well. You know, they, they really seem to get going around Austria, their home Grand Prix, and that's where things really start to pick up for them. But they're looking strong from the get-go. Uh, as I mentioned briefly earlier, I'm really excited about Alexander Albon. I think this guy's cool. I think he's got what it takes. I think he I think he races exciting. I think he's exciting to watch. Um, I don't think he's intimidated by Verstappen. Uh, and I think they'll push each other. Uh, he's got some confidence. He's got some experience under his belt now in the Red Bull big team. Uh, and I think he'll come out come out punching from, from day one. Uh, expect to see some, some surprise results. Maybe even a race win from Albon. I think I'm, I'm going to see that because I think Red Bull are going to be quick. I think they're going to win races in 2020. And I think it's not all going to be Verstappen. That is my call. Um, but yeah, looking racy from, from day one. And I, I would argue probably Mercedes' biggest competition this year, uh, Red Bull. Um, I guess their last year with the Aston Martin Red Bull partnership, right? Um, so yeah, exciting to see what, what they can do. Ferrari, meanwhile, oh, you know, after a dodgy 2019, looks like it might be a dodgy 2020. Everyone's asking, are they sandbagging? Because last year they were so cocky after preseason testing, went into Melbourne as season favourites. Everyone was like, oh my God, they're so quick. Ferrari going to dominate. There's no way that no one's going to beat Ferrari this year. And then obviously it all fell apart. <laughs> so maybe someone's gone, guys, let's just, let's just go in with the negative. And then that means any results we get will be a positive. There is, I do have a bit of thinking there that maybe it's just about controlling the Italian media. Um, 
Big question marks over Vettel, obviously. What's going to happen to him this year? Will Leclerc walk all over him? Will he get his contract renewed? Uh, who knows? I mean, I think I think he'll I think he'll come out with some great results. I think they'll re-sign him for another year. Um, I think he'll win some races. He has a way of fighting back, old Seb. But Leclerc, unfortunately, I think whilst he's now committed to the team in the long run, will have a a tough year because I just don't think they're going to be that competitive Ferrari unless they have been really sandbagging. Uh, I think it's just going to be a year of, yeah, the sort of really not fighting with Mercedes and Red Bull, but kind of guarding third place from, from Renault and McLaren. Um, I hope I'm wrong. You know, I will love the Ferrari brand, not necessarily the biggest fan of the Ferrari F1 team at the moment, but I do really like Leclerc uh, and I do like Vettel. So it would be cool. You, Formula One needs Ferrari. Let's face it. Formula One needs Ferrari. Uh, for those of you that are questioning what on earth was all that sort of hoorah-rah about uh, engines and legality and the FIA and all this stuff, um, I still actually need to read into it properly. But as far as I have been made aware, is, I, don't remember if the, I don't know if you remember at the end of last year, uh, there were some sort of regulation changes or the FIA came along saying that Ferrari had to change some stuff in their power unit. And it kind of all got brushed under the carpet and there was something like, oh yeah, we just, you know, we settled it between ourselves and they paid a bit of a fine and bish bash bosh and the team's like waited a week and then went hold on a sec what are you, what are you talking about <laughs> and kind of all realized that that was a bit weird and a bit dodgy uh and so sent a letter saying we need more information and we're going to look into this legally uh and the fia basically sort of i think came back saying they, they couldn't prove that ferrari were doing anything illegal but they but ferrari were doing something illegal so Ferrari kind of like, look we know we be a bad boy uh so we give you the money uh, and the FIA are like, okay, cool, thanks. Um, so yeah, I think that will drag on. I think you'll find that will drag on a little bit longer. Um, but it's sort of classic FIA, F1 and Ferrari all being be- in bed together and realising how important they are to each other. Ferrari are not Ferrari without Formula One and Formula One is not Formula One without Ferrari. So uh, they all need to continue in their loving relationship, um, which they will. Finally, Mercedes. Uh Looking like they're going to dominate another year, <laughs> unfortunately. Depressing news, yes. Um, for those of you that like a competitive Formula One, uh, it is depressing. I am a Lewis Hamilton fan, not a big Mercedes fan um, as a team. Like if Lewis left, I wouldn't be there supporting Mercedes still. Um, but I, I support the team that he drives for. Um, I think you all know that I'm not Bottas's biggest fan. He just disappoints me day in, day out. He frustrates me when he beats Lewis because I'm like pointless. Like, it's so annoying. You're not going to win the championship. You're not even going to fight for the championship. You're just taking points away from Lewis. Uh, and then he never seems to have the aggression or the excite. Like, he doesn't seem exciting to watch to me. Um, but everyone's like, oh, this could be Valtteri version 3.6 and maybe this is going to be his year, but I, I, I don't really see it. And I question whether this is going to be his final year at the team. Um, Because I think they'll realise that they need to shake some stuff up, depending on whether Lewis re-signs or not. I I think he's going to. I think in his head, if he equals Schumacher, he'll want to beat him. If he doesn't equal Schumacher for some reason, if if something goes horribly wrong and Ferrari or Red Bull uh, take the Drivers' Championship in some shape or form, uh, he'll obviously still want to equal Schumacher. And I think he'll want to do it in that new era, that 2021 era. That will prove, whilst he maybe didn't win with multiple teams... He won in multiple eras. I think that's what he's going to sort of, you know, take as his claim to fame. But yeah, pretty sure Mercedes is going to walk it. But you never know. 
You never, never know. And also, you never know at Melbourne or in Melbourne what's going to happen. It's always a quirky race, a race that doesn't really dictate the rest of the year. It is a street track for, after all, first race of the season. Um, lots to still learn. So people sometimes get a bit carried away with the results early on. Oh, it's a walkover. Or, oh, and then it just all settles down. And once we get to Europe, we start to really understand what's going to happen with the season. Not to say, though, it won't be exciting out of the blocks. Uh, it might be disastrous. might be really boring. Who knows? But I will be awake at 6 a.m., uh, for the start of the Australian Grand Prix. And I hope you will be too, because uh, I'll be talking about it a lot on Twitter. But yeah, should you watch this year? I think so. I've heard a lot of people go, oh, what's the point in watching Formula One in 2020? Let's just wait till next year, all the new regulations. It's going to be really different. There's going to be excitement. That's not guaranteed, firstly. <clears throat> the new rules could be a disaster. Um, but also, I think I think there's still hope for this year because everyone theoretically should have bunched up a bit. Um, it should be a bit more exciting. Uh, Mercedes, by the way, with their uh, adaptive steering, uh, what do they call it? The DAS? Uh, you might have seen um, a clip basically of Lewis and Valtteri being able to pull and push their steering wheel, affecting the the toe of the front wheels. I, I think it's revolutionary and amazing. I don't think it's necessarily a, the biggest step in performance. I don't think they're gaining a second a lap or anything like that. I think the whole package has taken a big step forward and that is something which is genius and obviously going to be, they wouldn't put it on the car if it wasn't improving lap time. Um, but I, I don't think it's like a double diffuser type situation where that's like, that is the key and everyone's going to try and copy it. It's already been banned for 2021 as well. So not many teams are going to want to spend the money on R&D of getting up and running on their cars just for half a season. So I think we'll see that Mercedes will be the only team running it, but you never know. Um, anyway, I'd love to know your thoughts. I tell you what, give me your predictions. Uh, championship one, two, and three on the driver's side. Uh, I would love to know who you think uh, are going to be, yeah, first, second, and third in the driver's championship by the end of the year. And then we can all come back and look at this uh, when it gets to December and we can go, oh, look, let's see who was right and who was wrong. Uh, my prediction, I'm going to go Hamilton, Verstappen, Mm, Bottas. I, uh, yeah, Bottas. If Mercedes are going to be as competitive as I think, but I do think Red Bull are going to be up there and I think Verstappen is really coming into his own now. I think he's going to boss it. Yeah, that's my shout. Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas. Uh, but let me know your top three below. Um, and I hope to be able to chat with you more about F1 as the season goes on. As I say, definitely going to get some guests in, definitely going to have some interaction. Uh, but it's nice also to be able to have a chat with you, a rant, basically, um, about F1 every now and again uh, when Tony doesn't, you know, get too involved because, yeah, he just says an annoying things and I get very cross. But um, I hope you've enjoyed this kind of first shorter bonus little midweek episode uh, for those of you that were interested. Uh, if you have, make sure to give it a thumbs up. Make sure you stay subscribed anyway for the regular weekly episodes, whether that's here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to turn on notifications wherever the notifications button is so that you don't miss those future episodes. And if you're listening to us uh, or listening to me right now, uh, make sure to keep listening um, by following us on whatever platform you're listening. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. And I'll catch up with you very shortly for another regular episode of Behind the Glass. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.